Uh, we're going to be digging into God's Word together in First uh, John, not the Gospel of John, but the first uh, of the epistles, the letters of John. Uh, towards the end of your Bibles, if you have them with you, I invite you to turn with me there. We're going to be reading First John, beginning in verse 16 on through verse 24, as we together hear the Word of the Lord. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his, command, his commands and do what, he, what pleases him. And this is his command. To believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. This is God's word offered to us this day in its reading and in its hearing. So we together give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me forward to prayer? Gracious God, it is a gift to gather your people together around your word this day. We know there is power contained therein for us if we would but humble ourselves. Humble ourselves to receive it. So we come humbly to this task and invite your Holy Spirit to gather with us. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts, that we would feel its power. Then I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would, in response to your word, offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, repetition is an unbelievably powerful tool. And sometimes that could become a grand annoyance, right? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's like those political slogans that you repeat 3,000 times in a one-week period, and uh, all of a sudden... It's deeply ingrained in you that this name associates with this political theme. But, but, but they didn't, politicians didn't invent that. Repetition has always been powerful. I mean, think, of, think about all of these different phrases. I could just say them and you could tell me what they're associated with. Just do it. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. That's a lie, by the way. In Texas heat, that must have been like a northeastern 
uh, construct. But down in this humid south, it's a little different. I'm loving it. But up, 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 all right, I'm just seeing if y'all are actually, do y'all know this one? And this is the crazy, this out of, breakfast of champions. That's disgusting. What a brilliant slogan. Wheaties are horrid. Uh, but they have convinced us that winners eat Wheaties and we want to win. And so someone actually is bold enough to buy that mess. Taste the rainbow. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty. Yeah. Which also is a lie because uh, Viva is better. But that's just, you know, notes from the Burnham home. Um, those themes, uh, like uh, the literature motifs, uh, are, are about associating... Uh, certain characters, certain places in, in advertising, certain companies in politics, certain people or certain parties with certain things. It's a literature motif, but it also has played forward in music. Um, it, it was most uh, classically oriented with Richard Wagner uh, and uh, continued on through, through the, the, the classics but then made its way into a whole different genre that we could really resonate with, uh, the movies. The movies uh, began using what's called a leitmotif, which is connected to the literature understanding of motif, and it's using a particular series of chords or notes to associate with a particular person, place, or theme. And so King Kong was a grand theme of that. Now, I, I didn't grow up in the 30s, so I don't have that one ingrained in my brain quite as well as I might have. Right? You know Jaws, and you know Jaws is near by that two-note power. Did y'all realize that? literally two notes. And then uh, there is, in my opinion, the most groundbreaking leitmotif uh, was used in more recent cinema. I know, this is the nine o'clock audience, I remember. That's from The Hunger Games. I swear if y'all come to the 1030, you're going to be like, wow, everybody knew it. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but here, he, <laughs> yeah, the book, the book was awesome, right, Shirley? <laughs> but but, but here's, the, here's the thing about that particular leitmotif, and, and this, is, this is how we get to where we're going, okay? That leitmotif, those four notes were about the oppressed and the downtrodden and those that had been forgotten and cast off, being in tune with that reality 
And it was a mere expression of pain and solidarity. That the audience, those who witnessed the movie, the the viewer, connected to, everybody in some way has experienced that pain. But it was a broken curtain moment. Because those four notes weren't just for the audience's experience of connection, but it was for the people in the, uh, in, in, the, in, in the outskirts and the exiled regions of the capital to also experience. And so you had this, this common identification of pain from the audience and from the experience of the people in the scene. Each of the Gospels of Jesus Christ have specific motifs that are woven through them. For for Matthew, I'm not going to go through all of them. For Matthew, it's uh, this, this picture of Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecy, the the Messiah entering into the world. And so he's constantly pointing back to the Old Testament. He's like, look, 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 Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment over and over again. For John, there is one specific motif that I wish we had set to music because it breaks the curtain where everyone in Jesus' sphere of influence experienced this and we We, as readers of the Gospels, centuries later, still have that same experience of Jesus. A broken curtain motif. I'm going to take us on a little bit of a whirlwind. You'll see where I'm going very quickly. Uh, The Gospel of John and the three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, are all written by the, the disciple John, the youngest disciple who was also uh, uh, an apostle and a part of church planting movements all across uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Turkey, Greece, uh, South uh, East Europe region. And, and he's writing uh, to, to, the, to the people of God, wanting to give them some words of encouragement, and he writes in the same theme. This is why there's... there's, there's Almost no dispute amongst any theologian that all of these were written by the same exact person. It's because that that motif echoes in our ears. First, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Have you heard of that one? So, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. It begins, is oriented by the gospel centered on God's love for the world in Jesus. That Jesus is love made manifest in our very presence here on earth. But that that theme continues on, and and I'm only going to 
tap into a few of them because uh, if, we, if we turn to every example of John pointing to love as his central motif, then, then we would be here for a long time. But in the Gospel of John chapter 13, uh, verse 34 and 35, this is right after Jesus washes his disciples' feet and he does it as a sign of service and love for them and says, go and do it likewise. And then in verse 34, he continues this theme by saying, a new command I give you. This is Jesus to his disciples, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must Love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. This is a command, it's a must. And it's built in a parallel that Jesus' love is the example. His self-sacrificing, others-invested and interested love is the model through which we then are to operate and to exemplify Jesus' love in the world as well. Jesus' love, our love, to be parallel, to be one. And this is how the world knows that you follow Jesus. I mean, there, there, there might be some other ways. You know, you could wear the little necklace. Uh, you could get the little, the little Ichthus tattoo or the, or the big Gothic cross tattoo. Uh, or you could put the little thing on the back of your car, a little John 316 cross little logo on the back of your car, but then you cut someone off and they wonder, right? Uh, you really want to know how the world is going to See you as a disciple of Jesus? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That theme continues on. If it was set to music, we would hear it coming from a mile away. Peter has uh, denied Jesus, fled from his presence Not even there at the crucifixion, but at the resurrection, Peter is present. And one scene of Jesus' resurrection comes in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. Do you remember this? When they had finished eating this glorious breakfast of fish, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked the third time, get this. Do you love me? He said, Lord, You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter's being reinstated into the community of uh, disciples and ultimately uh, becomes the one in which Jesus builds his church on this rock, Peter. And it's all built on the fact that Jesus knows all things, including that Peter loves him. 
Peter's love for Jesus is what then points to the world how he can love them as well. He loves Jesus first and then loves the sheep and the lambs of Jesus. Now I'm going to fast forward. First John is, is uh, maybe the most uh, uh, intense uh, example of the motif of love throughout all of John's writings. Uh, it is uh, repeated over and over again in 1 John. But just one excerpt in addition to what we read uh, earlier here for us. It's 1 John four sixteen, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is Love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Twice repeated in 1 John chapter 4, it says, God is love. God is love. Not mincing any words, not, not drawing any distinction, not clarifying any question, just specifically stated, definitively argued, God is love. Love, And for us, we as, as children of God have a charge, a command, it says, a must. And John's, John's thesis for us is since God is love in Jesus, you are to love. This is your commandment from Jesus. Go and love. And that is hard. Let's not sugarcoat it this morning. Loving the children of God is is difficult. I want you to pause long enough to be honest with yourself and I want you to think of the person, don't say their name out loud, for which it is the most difficult for you to love them. I mean, the, the, the one that, that when you think of their, their name or you see them uh, at a distance, there's like a little twist or turn within because their presence rubs you that grating sort of way. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they hurt someone you loved. Maybe they hurt your daughter or your son. Maybe through a series of abuses, a once beautiful relationship was so deeply wounded and broken that there was a grand divorce. Who is that person? for which it is most difficult for you to love. This command from Jesus is not limited. It's not um, to be nuanced. It does not come with exceptions. There is no out clause to it. 
the call, the command, the must is love. Love others. Love your brothers and sisters. Love the children of God. Love all. And so how do we break through this, this, this grinding of the gears, this challenge? Sometimes it's, it's easy to love, and, and that's beautiful. Sometimes it's hard. Who, if you were going to think of other like just, just categories, who is it difficult to love? You might think New York Yankees fans. They're a really tough bunch to love. Or um, telemarketers. I've heard stories of the challenges you've experienced with telemarketers. Or, or maybe the, the, the overnight service industry on customer service telephone lines. That's one of mine. So I don't seem to have wised up simply. Uh, I never find the time to make those customer service calls during the day. I have a long day, I'm really tired, and I know it's on my list of things to do, so at like 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night, I'll pick up the phone, dial the 1-800 number. And I had this happen recently, and uh, Lauren was in the room as I was dialing this 1-800 number, and Lauren said, Jason, this never ends well. You need to stop, put it down, call tomorrow. And I said, I can't, my day tomorrow's booked, I'm packed out all day. If I'm so busy all day, how can I make these calls? I have to do it now, so I call. And this is like a Houston-based international company. Pick up the phone, call them, and I just need them to help me out with something. Like, I made a mistake. I need them to help me fix it. And I know it's going to be, like, a little bit difficult for me. I'm probably even going to have to, like, come out of my own pocket to fix this. And I'm okay with that. But I just need someone to work with me. And I get this, this answer on the other line, and there's obviously a person on the other line that doesn't speak any English. Um, They speak some English, but they don't speak much English. And so that was clue number one. The second clue was then a rooster started crowing in the background. As you could bet, this did not go anywhere good fast. Uh, And I want to win, and I was going to lose. And I knew I was going to lose. And since I was going to lose, I started grading me. And I was just like, ugh. And so I started trying to be disciplined, love of Christ in my heart, love for my sister in Christ, who was on the other line in the Philippines, we found out. And ultimately, I said, I need to speak to a manager. Uh, What I was thinking in my head was, I can no longer hold fast to my love for you. And I'm required by Jesus to do so. (laughs) And since Jesus calls me to do this, I need a manager. And so... I'm going to hold for 12 minutes, and a manager gets on the phone, and he speaks very little English. And two seconds into his answer, a rooster crows in the background. I was literally handed from one person to another in the Philippines. And by this time, it's 11.45 at night, and Lauren is watching steam come out of my ears. And ultimately, the call ended something like, you are absolutely no help. You need to go kill the rooster. (laughs) And I hung up. 
<laughs> so, so I'm still moving on to perfection uh, one step at a time. The church isn't much different. The church is full of Yankees fans and telemarketers and saints of Christ in the Philippines that answer calls for American companies. And the call is there to love. And we fall short, I fall short. I believe that the church is a testing ground for our love. The church is filled with relationships, with people for which it is easy to love. Like, like, like you're so deeply connected to them. You've walked through hell and back with them. You've stormed the gates and seen, uh, seen salvation manifest in lives in such profound ways that, that you are in a loving relationship, deeply woven with one another. And yet the church is also a testing ground for our love when it's hard. There are saints that we journey with that we rub against the wrong way. There are times when, uh, when, when I've probably done that to you, where I've tested your Jesus command to love. Uh, that one sermon I preached, uh, and all of you just thought about a sermon I've preached 10 years worth of sermons here. I don't know which one that was, but you all just thought of a sermon for which you felt hurt. And I tested your capacity to continue in a loving relationship with me. But that's what the church is. If we're called to build a community connecting in Christ, we first must be a community connecting in Christ. And whether that started with the 11 people in my living room in the summer of 2011 or continued with the folks that were uh, founding members uh, on that first membership Sunday at the Creekside YMCA or those that were here when we celebrated Commitment Sunday for our Connect More Capital campaign, which would fund the resources for this facility in which we now sit, or if it's those of us that gather this day for worship, this is a testing ground of love. John is really clear. Verse 23, this is a twofold reality. It's a call, a command, first, to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to believe in Jesus. Now, it was started as we open in verse 16 with, with Jesus is love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid his life down for us. And since Jesus laid his life down for us, we have experienced that love. So that's first. We start with an experience of Christ's love in us. And then, secondly, we respond to that. We allow that love to live in us. 
by loving one another as he commands us at the conclusion of verse 23. This passage of Scripture is a Scripture of assurance. This is a space where you and I can test, can examine where we are in our walk with Jesus. I know that, 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 that many of us, that I, have often asked, Lord, where am I with you? How is my walk? How am I walking? Am I in good relationship with you? You want to know how we can discern that answer? Search your heart for love. Where am I with Jesus? How am I loving? And when you search your heart, if there are corners or crevices where love is not, then call upon the power of the Holy Spirit to intervene and ask for love to win. Because whenever we walk with the Lord in belief in the one whose love is more powerful than any force ever known to man, we then can have that power to love as well. This is our call. This is our invitation. This is, in fact, even our command. I wish it was set to music so we could hear it coming over and over again in your life and in mine as we walk in the world. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, it is a gift to, to experience the love we have in your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, oh God, that you would, that you would love us so profoundly, even in this very moment, that we would feel that love by the power of your spirit and we, we would be so moved to love the world as you love us. Be glorified in our love for one another that the world would know you more and more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.